Okay, good morning, everyone. Lame, come on. Good morning, everyone. And the reason I'm doing that is because I feel like crap. I didn't get much sleep last night. And uh, it's like I said during the prayer, we went back with the boots from Brenda. And God says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lots of room for his strength today in me, okay? It's a Bible joke. <laughs> so, hi, and uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome, everybody watching online. Like our fancy-dancy new screen so people online can keep up with our scriptures and pictures and stuff. So, here's what we're going to do. Um... It's an interesting start of the week for me. Had a nice long conversation. You know what? I, I got to tell you, I'll, I'll quit messing with my sleeves in a second, okay? <laughs> so I'm at an interesting part of my life. My son is five. My, my daughter's going to be three. And of course, those are my days. My wife leaves and works, and I stay home with the kids. But I'm at the point now where they kind of leave me alone a little bit which is nice. Do you know what I mean? They entertain each other, which is how she, <laughs> not to be too intimate here, but that's one way that she convinced me. We should definitely have another kid because then they'll entertain each other. <laughs> and she took me to her best friend's house and uh, sure enough, their two little kids were playing together. And I was like, oh, we owe it to Alex to give him a sibling. And so that fruit has come up. So I got to have a nice long conversation during the week with my best friend, Pete. And I'm not stupid. I put it on the headphones, okay? So that the chaos around me, I can still listen to Pete and I'm still in it with the kids and not ignoring them. But here's what happened to me. So I was talking to my best friend, Pete, and uh, this is what shaped my thoughts. Because here's, here's what I do on a Saturday. I, I, you know, I don't really know how this is all supposed to go, like I said before, uh, last week I said, but I just come up here and I talk about what God's doing in my life. That's all I've got. So here's what happened. We were having a conversation. He told me a story. He went to go hang out with his, his brother in another state. So Sunday morning, they all kind of went off to their own respective churches. His brother's got a son, so therefore it's his nephew, who's 27. And he went off to his own church, okay? And the father went off to his own church. And then they all came back. And the son came back and said, well, it's an interesting message. They were talking about fearing God, and um, he said, Dad, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, what do you, what do you think about this fearing God thing? And the father says, I think having a fear of God is a part of it. It's a good, healthy thing. I think it's part of it. And, and, and the, the boy was like, you mean like afraid of God? And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I feel. And he turned to Pete, and Pete's like, what do you think? And I'll, and I'll see about this. And Pete said this. He goes, when my daughter grows up, if she's afraid of me, I think I'll feel like a failure. I don't want my daughter to fear me. Respect, admire, trust my intentions, recognize my strength, sure. But straight up fear is a dad? Pete's like, no, I, that, that's not what I think God is looking for from us. And he turned to his brother and his brother's like, I do. And so we had this conversation where it's like, wow, those are two very different views of creator dad, as I call him sometimes. And we started talking and later in the discussion, we discovered something foundational that I want to talk about today. Can you make me a deal, and people online, just for the time we have here, can you just loosen your grip on a few things today and maybe let me speak into something that might be, you might be holding tight to? I think that's real courage, by the way. So here's what I'm talking about. If you're willing to do that, let's get started. I'm going to open some challenging thoughts, okay? So we're going to do an exercise. All right, everybody, close your eyes for a second. Nothing weird's going to happen. Close your eyes online, too. You ready? I'm going to ask you a question. What does Father God look like to you? Conjure up. Even if you'd never thought of it, what does God look like to you? Okay, open your eyes. Now, Pete said to me, he looks like an in-shape Santa Claus <laughs> to me. That's what Pete said. How many people got something like an in-shape Santa Claus or Gandalf? Gandalf, the white or gray. A big white-haired father, dad, right? Kind of thing. Older guy. Maybe. 
Again, nobody's coming at you. We're just exploring together. But 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 the thing is, I had never thought of that when we, we talked about it. I was like, wow, I, I never really thought of that. What does God look like? Father God. Father God. And so, um, again, beard, old, definitely male. That's the vast majority of us, I would dare say. And I have the question. I have a question I want to ask. You see why I'm saying you got to let, let go of your grip for a second? Um, where did that come from? The idea, uh, you know... The, the image we have, where did it come from? And number two, do you think maybe that's important? Yes, you do. That it probably shapes the way we interpret some major things about God, creation, and even ourselves. And let me, let me, spoiler alert, yes, it does, okay? Guys, psychology 101. The idea you have of something will shape the way you relate to it. Do you understand that? That makes sense. Yes. Well, I just asked you what God looked like, and that's your image? So again, where did that come from? I'll, tell, I'll, give you some, I'll give you some ideas that I have. I want to name a few. I would say this. Number one, the Catholic Church and their windows and the way they, they relate to God and their depictions. And then you also add movies and culture. Here's what I mean. If every person on those stained glass windows with white hair and had a beard and everybody in authority in Bible was long-haired, white-haired, and a beard, that's what we would mentally project. Do you understand? Oh, look at that beautiful depiction of Elijah, who, white hair and a beard. And, and Moses, of course, white hair and a beard. So therefore, God, authority, white hair and a beard. You see that? It's just psychology. Um, and also, think about this. We start doing it from culture as well. Like, well, like the Ten Commandments, which I never, I never talk bad about that movie. I love that movie. You know I do. Heston and Yul Brenner, forget about it. I was going to go off. You ever see... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to talk about the, the, the Magnificent Seven, but it has nothing to do with anything. I just like the movie. Um, so, so that's what we think, you guys. Um, and here's another thing. Ready? Add in Greek fake gods from the past, Greek and Roman, and what do you got? Zeus, long hair and a beard, right? Throwing firebolts. Or firebolts. Lightning bolts, right? Guys, this all mixes in, and it starts to shape this idea of who God is. Well, I, 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 I got, I got you know, information for you today. It's a big deal. So I'm not here to tell you what Father God looks like, but I'm simply wanting to call attention to something that may have a profound effect on you that you don't even know. So here's the thing. The tr here's the truth. The Old Testament, the beginning of the Bible, before Jesus came, the examples of God's appearance centered on his glory and heavenly presence dwelling with objects of his choosing. Think about it, right? The tabernacle, there's a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, right? There's uh, the Ark of the Covenant, in the New Testament, God reveals himself by appearing to us through his incarnate son, Jesus Christ, right? Now, off the cuff, I can say that this. <clears throat> there are several examples of the Holy One being described. So, so those of you who are familiar with the Bible, listen. You can conjure up ideas of, well, the Holy One is describing, let's say, revelation with feet of burnished bronze and right eyes like fire and skin like this and hair white as wool. But you know what, guys? That's Jesus. Because then he sits down on the throne or, or he's the lamb who was slain, Okay. So where do we get this idea of Father God? Because, guys, I, I, don't, I don't see it. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Do you want to hear what mine was when he asked? Anybody curious what mine was? I'll describe it. I'll conjure it up. Okay, ready? This is weird. There's no basis for this, but this is me. I used to have Gandalf. It was totally Gandalf. And for years, I just related to Gandalf. And I, I'm jumping ahead here. For years, I really related to the Father God thing I actually felt like I knew Old Testament God better than I knew Jesus because it was easy to check boxes and do the stuff. So I related. It was easier. You know, just do this, don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. Not get to know. Okay, so mine is this. It's crazy. It's weird. And it's not right. Don't think it's right. I'm not saying it is. Mine is, when I picture Father God, it's this all-encompassing white and yellow light that goes on and on and on forever. 
with fire and electricity inside of it. And all creation is going through him. And he's still creating the, edge of the edges of the universe. Yeah, and it's just light. And it's, it's, that's my picture. It doesn't have edges. It's hard to describe. That's what Father God looks like to me. And of course, yeah, endless. Endless space. But Anyway, so that's what I... <laughs> that was weird. I know, I know. <laughs> I, but I, here's what I realized. Before, while I had Gandalf God, I realized that that was a projection not only of my upbringing and all this sort of stuff, and I wanted to do this. I realized that images shape my mind. And so here's what I'm going to do today. That was all preamble. Here's what I'm going to do. I, my job right now is to grab and shake the religion off of you. AJ, what do you... Time out. People have said, what do you mean religion? I'm going to say something that you all are not going to like. But it's so true and it came from the conversation that Pete and I have. Everywhere Jesus went, he banished religion and tradition. Did you know that? Don't act like he didn't. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, keep this, the, the Sabbath and all that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about man-made, do this to please God, do this to please God. And Jesus consistently was like, no, tradition banishes me and I will always banish tradition. And by the way, Jesus was not a fan of religion, by the way. Religion is man's attempt to, to earn God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So listen to me. You ready? The spirit of religion, Bruce, take this with you. You're going to love this. The spirit of religion, which hangs over this North Country big time, where you go to church, you just do this, 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 but nothing actually changes in your daily life, and there's no power in your life, okay? There's just confusion and form and ritual. Can I tell you something? We, we think that that's a harmless thing, that it's one shade away from actual religion, but can I tell you something? The spirit of religion is a demon from the pit of hell. I know you wouldn't like it. I don't care. I'm not here to have you like me. The spirit of religion will keep you from real relationship with God. God hates those people. Religion. God, God can't use me. I'm too. Religion. Over and over and over and over again. Religion was there to abuse women. Religion uh, advocated uh, you know, racism. This, is, this happened everywhere. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. One to one. Okay, so in order to knock some of that off of you and your idea of Father God who's big and scary and he's fire on the mountain and he says, oh, I saw what you did and I don't like you anymore and you'll never be the dad you want to be and oh, maybe, you know, the reason you can't do this is because you did this in the past. That's all religion. And in order for me to, me to break that off of you, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments because you want to go right at the center of big, scary, angry God on a mountain, you go right to the Ten Commandments, right? Because nobody likes them. <laughs> Seven out of ten of them say you will not and no Nobody likes being told what to do. So you've got this idea. <laughs> it's true, Steph. You've got this idea of who, who God is. Follow me, people. I'm ignoring you online. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got this idea of big angry God, of who you've always thought, who grandma said, that mean guy across the road who judged you, all this sort of stuff. And I want to look at the Ten Commandments and show you something. Now, it's the second quarter. You ready? Recently, a guy, a guy named Robert Morris uh, from Gateway Church was talking about a relationship series, and he made the case that the Ten Commandments are not just rules. They are commandments, but they're more than that. You ready for this? This is going to be new for a lot of you. It was new for me. Okay. These are actually principles for living. The principles enhance our lives with God and other people. So here's what I've done. You ready for this? If we can set aside big Gandalf God image for a second and look at the rigidy really rules and see beyond that... Beyond that, you're going to see a greater truth. You ready? Let's jump into it. God is a God of relationship. Why did he create Adam and Eve? For relationship. Was he lonely? No, he was not. He had perfect unity in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't need anybody. He wasn't lonely. But he created us for relationship. Why did he get the Israelites out of Egypt? For relationship. Why did he rescue you from your own bondage? For relationship. Right, Ricky? Boom. I see the mess you're in. Come to me for relationship. God doesn't owe us anything. He does that because he loves us, right? 
for relationship. So let's let's see how he opens up the Ten Commandments. This is gonna be new for y'all. I know it is. Look at that, it's beautiful. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and into the land of slavery. This is, listen, this is the, the spot where the Ten Commandments start, but this is how he starts the conversation. You ever notice that? He's saying this, ready? We have history. When we start this conversation, we have history. I saved you. I've been good to you. This is important. This is the way he begins this whole sequence. Now, I want you to realize something. That'd be like me saying this, like, uh, who do I want to pick on? Who do I want to pick on? Kirk. So Kirk and I are sitting in the office, and I go, hey. And I start the conversation by saying this. Boy, I really respect you, man. You're busting your butt to be a heck of a dad. You go to work, you come home. You're, you're a really good dude, man. We, we've got a lot of history, huh? That's me calling upon the bond we have between us for the next thing, right? That doesn't mean I'm going to waylay him. It's just saying, bro, we're together, right? Bro, bro, we're in this together. That's what, well, that's my version of it, sorry. <laughs> bro, 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 that's me and Kirk, though. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is what God's doing, right? So you thought big, scary Ten Commandments, but how does he start it? He starts it as this. Hey, remember me? Hey, remember me? I saw that you were hurting. I'm the one that, I'm the one that looked out for you. Now I have some principles that if you, if you will abide in these, if you, if you will let these guide you, this is how you relate best to me and people around you. Oh, and by the way, we got to see ourselves in this. Brian, check this out. Watch this. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. Next slide. So, and the New Testament says this. Our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In other words, ready? You guys too. Don't just think of Israel. I, I, I brought you out of slavery to be with me. And then the New Testament says, hey, hey, all you New Testament believers, it's the same situation, right, Steph? I brought you out of slavery to be with me. So back to the first commandment, please. Here we go. This is all about relationship. I freed you for relationship with me. Now, here we are. So let's look at the, yeah, that. We're good. We're good. These are not just laws and rules to follow, but I will say this. If they were, you do it. I want to put a disclaimer up. If I'm wrong about this, which I'm not going to say anything too profound or crazy today, but Bruce, if they were just laws and commandments given to us by Father God, creator of heavenly lights, you do them. He's God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to fluff your ears and do this whole, hey, you can be anything you want. No, he's creator God, you're not. In fact, I, I got a picture for you. You ready? We recently mapped the entire known universe, and I want to show it to you. There it is. And I suckered you because when we sang praise you in the storm, that was the picture behind it. That's the known universe. That red dot is our solar system, all that. This is the known known creation. Lady, that looks like some sort of the nervous system. I know, crazy, right? All the white spots, Ricky, are, are clusters of where there's a good concentration of stars. Think of an overhead view of a city. Isn't this crazy? This is, oh, by the way, I had it. 100 million? Uh, I had the scope of this, of how many hundred millions of light years across it is and all that. They just did that this week. This is the God who just said, I love you. I'm looking out for you. Here's the commands. Even if he doesn't love us, even if he didn't pull us out of slavery, he is the king. And if he give you edicts, what do you do? You obey them, right? Truth and grace, guys. I'm not sitting here going, oh, he doesn't mean it. I'm not doing that today. He's God. The one who did this and holds it all together, he's the one talking. But he chooses to love. So let's look at this first one. Please give me that first slide, and I want to show you this. We're not going to do them all today. In fact, I'm only going to do one, but I want to, sh I want to show you the frame. So this is the first one. No. Um, crap. Can you go ahead one? We'll come back to this one. I just simply need, there you go. You shall have no other gods before me. There's our first commandment. It, from relation, I, I freed you. Here's the thing. So again, 
thou shalt not. Right? Let's look at this. Because again, we don't want big, angry, Gandalfy God. Before me, beside me, other than me, in Hebrew this is all, it says this. You're to have no other God. This is where I need Isaiah. You're to have no other God. And the truth is, so you have no other gods with, among me. But look, elsewhere in the Bible it says this. There is no other apart from me. There is no God. So here's the thing. You never just look at one verse, right? Look what he just said. It's 2018. God spoke through the word in Isaiah, and he says this. I am the Lord. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. He says it in two different ways. You notice that? That's Hebrew poetry. You really got to get this. So what am I saying today? I'm saying this. You know what this means in today's PC world? Look right at me. I love this part of the show. That means that Allah is not real and is not God. Or it's not who he says he is. That's my suspicion. Or that Mormonism that teaches you can become a God, they're lying to you. They're the fastest growing cult in the world. Or this is wrong. Well, that preacher guy's talking. So, no, what, come on, it's 2018. You got time for this? There is no God other than me. Scientology is a lie. Plug in anything you want, guys. Anything besides the one true God is a lie. That's what this just said. And so loving father, it's all about relationship. I redeemed you for it, says this. Y'all have been in Egypt for 430 years. You're about to go to a land of Cana. Egypt had 29 main gods and, and hundreds, 2,000 lesser gods. Okay. They're about to go into Cana where they had a bunch of good different gods. And loving father says this. I brought you out of Egypt for relationship. You guys, I saved you through Christ Jesus for relationship. Don't put anything else on the throne of your life because it'll always let you down. I'm the only one you're a, you should worship because there's no other God. Well, doesn't that save us a ton of time and heartache? Doesn't it? And I'm not even going to get into what do we worship today? I'm not even going to do that today. All I'm going to say is this. <clears throat> a loving father is saying, worship nothing, nothing else. Now, let's go, um, let's go to the next one, I believe. Yes, so this is the second commandment. Very similar, very similar to the first. I want to put them both together, okay? For truth's sake, for my sake, for your sake, there are no other gods. And then he says this, boom. People at the, when they were going into Cana, here's what they were doing. So number one, there are no other gods besides the one that we worship through Jesus Christ. It's just the truth. You don't actually have to like it. You didn't create the universe. You don't get to, you don't get to talk about that. Number two, here's what people would do. They started to make gods. And this is going to sound so stupid to us, but don't make me. So they would actually make gods. They'd, they'd carve them. You guys know in the Bible that happens. They'd carve them. They'd make them out of sticks, whatever. And then they would pray to these, to these gods. And so here's the thing. The Israelites were told, they go into Cana, and here's what happens. This is how they get suckered into it. Now, God said to them, listen, just remember these things. Hang these things. It's very simple. There is no other God. It's just the truth. Don't, don't worship images. Don't make things to worship. Don't do it. Ready? Flash forward a couple hundred years, and here's what you have. You ready for this? When they let go of this commandment. They walk into the land of Cana. Cana says, oh, you're Israelites. And they say, yeah. And they go, oh, you worship Jehovah, Yahweh. And they say, yes, we do. And they say, oh, well, we have a national God too. But you also need a family God and a personal God. And they went, oh, we do? And they said, yeah. And they said, Ashtoreth, Ashereth should be one, and Baal should be your other one. And they went, oh, that sounds good. 
And the Israelites completely abandon this principle for relationship with God. And they start even sacrificing their children. Do you know that? They were burning their children alive. Rewind the story. Loving father says, guys, we just walked out of Egypt. Don't have any other gods. They're not real. And do not make a God to serve. Because God can see in the future children being sacrificed for nothing to gods that don't exist. Now do we see that it's not big, cranky, angry God on the mountain? It's him saying, let me save you some time and blood and curses that are going to come from this. Because don't think I don't hear those babies and children. I do. And don't we love the fact that God loves our children? Absolutely. So again, big angry God actually turned out to be very, very loving by warning them ahead of time what was going to destroy them. But they chose it anyway, didn't they? They absolutely did. Behind this idea of unhappy God, Father, and is actually loving God. Absolutely loving God. So, commandment number two has more to teach. Are we on it? Yes, we're on it. Here's the second half of it. Ready? Uh, no, actually, I got the next one. <clears throat> Please. So, this is the continue. So, there's 24. Um, this is me proving this. Ready? They mingled their nations and adopted their customs. This is what happened in the future. They worshipped their idols. It became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. That's just proving what I said to you. It's not just history. It was also in the Bible, but it's also history. Okay, next slide. Yep, they shed innocent blood. That's how wrapped up in this they got because they strayed from the truth of God, from this principle. Okay, next one. Okay, so here's the next one. Don't bow down. Now, I did this in the King James for a reason. Thou shalt not. Ready? Big angry God. Don't bow down to these false gods. Don't serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And I'm going to visit the inequity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Let's leave it right there. And I love that it's in the King James because it just conjured up, uh, it touched on that thing inside of you and brought back Gandalf God again. I can feel it. I can feel it. But here's what I'm going to do. Ready? Truth is always going to break that down. Number one. Inequity, right here. Visit the inequities. Inequity is the inward sin, the strongholds, the tendencies we have in life. I'll tell you my story. My father and his father and his father were shackled to alcohol. That's something that I inherited. It's called an inequity. It can be a stronghold that I got to watch out for, okay? Look what he just said. We inherit the sins of our fathers. Inward sins, inward sins. And then psychology says, hey, if your dad was an alcoholic, you'll be prone to that. Shocking, right? Watch this. Number two. It says visiting, visiting, visiting. That's why I chose King James too, ready? Visiting the inequities of the fathers. And some say this. Some say God in his mercy visits the inequities of the fathers upon us, meaning this, we'll see it and we'll get a chance to make it better. In other words, the kids see that alcohol destroyed, dad, destroyed dad's life and they're able to turn away. Now, I will say this. I don't necessarily agree with that per se, but it's interesting, Bruce, that it says visiting, doesn't it? doesn't say inhabiting. doesn't say permanently marking. It says visiting. Guess what? Visitors come and go, don't they? Ah, so there's something in there. Almost as though you have a chance to choose. Do you see that? Isn't that cool? So, okay, Gandalf God's going away. We're starting to understand it now. Number three, the main part of this is, you ready, ready, ready? Uh, this is where I wish I could get up and start walking around, but I can't. I'm going to stand up, though. <sighs> visiting the inequities of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that... Hate me. Anybody in this room hate God? Anybody watch it online? Oh, well, that's not you then. It can't be, lest he be a liar. So you always looked at it as, oh, dad made decisions that are going to fall on me. Is that what it says? For certain people, yes. For you, no. 
you understand that? Let's compare that with John. For those he foreknew, he gave the right to become, you know, who believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, sons and daughters of God. So this is actually saying, here's the way I work with the other folks, but I show mercy unto thousands of your kids that love me. Where's Gandalf God now? Even in the King James, we see a merciful, loving father. And again, the visiting part, there's something there, Mike. It speaks of opportunity. It speaks of opportunity. He doesn't, anybody the first generation of their family to believe in Christ and follow? Just me and Sharon. Maybe Mike. Yeah, well, I'm not ashamed of that. I am. Seems as though maybe I had a chance. Maybe that visitor came and went. I wasn't shackled. I was able to choose, right? This is a commandment, y'all, and we're starting to see Jesus show up. Are we not? We are, aren't we? Isn't this cool? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm the one who freed you, he starts with. I want to one. Okay. The jealous thing. Let's talk about this. Oprah Winfrey, remember? Don't I always talk about that? This is what turned Oprah Winfrey off. She wrote a book. I don't believe in God, and here's why. Because he says he's jealous. This is awesome. I saved this part for last. I, the Lord, your God, I am a jealous God. Do you know what that means? I've said this before, and I'm, and I'm proud that y'all know what it means. It means I want to be the one to take care of you. That's what that means. It doesn't mean he's jealous of, what is he jealous of? What do you think, well, what? what? What could he be jealous of? The stuff he made? Oh, that mic stand's pretty. What, a sunset? He made that. A, a, a created being that calls himself, or that is now called Satan? No. That's a created being. What could God ever be jealous of? We use it as jealous as I want something or I feel, no, jealous for means I want to be the one to provide. Does anybody want to be the only one or the primary people to provide for their children? Anybody? No hands? Nobody? This is, this is we're playing together here. Cuthbert's, yeah? You don't want someone come along and taking care of and raising your kid, do you? How about that baby that's coming? So you'd say you're jealous for that kid, right? How about you, Ricky? I'd strap on the boots and I'm going to go work and I'm going to provide for him. I don't want anybody else to, right? That's what this means. So where's your big, angry, Gandalfy, ruly rule God now? Where is he? Because even in the Ten Commandments, what do we see? We see Jesus Christ. We see love. We see mercy. We see compassion. And even with that word visiting, we see opportunity for, for new family members, for people to come, right? Isn't this cool? Okay. If we strip away the image we have and we see beyond it, even the Ten Commandments that people think, oh man, Old Testament, right? We start to see loving God. This is the truth. And again, my whole job today, I just wanted to shake that image you have. But I want to show you this. I want to do one more thing. <clears throat> when it comes to the law and the rules, I had another thought, Bruce, and this is another out there kind of one. Ready for this? The laws, and take this as parents too, take this. The law doesn't show the toughness or harshness or hard-heartedness of God. It seems that way. It totally does. I totally get it. But I believe it shows this, the toughness and hard-heartedness of man. In other words, the law, Kirk, this could be good. I really hope I get this. The law seems to be the hammer that gets present when our hearts are hardened. Here's what I mean. We could cover the rest of the commandments in the coming weeks. I don't know. I'm not sure. Just in case we don't, though, ready? If our hearts were right and we were loving God with all our hearts and loving our neighbors as ourselves, right? I'm to quote the New Testament. Would we need a law that said don't murder someone? Nah, get it? Get it? Come on, light bulbs. Do you see that? See that? Okay, so if I'm loving my wife and submitting to her and putting her first and cherishing her and all this stuff, do you need to say to me, AJ, don't sleep with that other chick? Come on, guys. Do you see what I'm saying? The law's there when your heart's hard and you need it. Bruce, does that make sense? 
If, if I love my neighbors myself, you don't got to tell me don't murder or steal from him or want what he has. But boom, the law shows up because we're already hard-hearted. You got a scripture for that, AJ? Good question, guys. Let's go to the New Testament. Because <laughs> don't believe me, who am I? Jesus replied this, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. In other words, abuse starts happening. Men start kicking women to the curb for burning dinner and stuff. And because women had nowhere else to, it's true. <laughs> Guys, like three men laughed at that. Stop it. <laughs> and when they, when they were away from their, their men, they were, they were lost and vulnerable and all that. So hard heartedness happens, a law comes. Get it? It's the same way today. If you ever see a, a sign, <laughs> you cracked me up last week. Don't be on the electric fence. You know what you got to realize? People were peeing on the electric fence. <laughs> right? If ever you see a stupid sign, it's because a stupid person did it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just a fence. No one in the world will ever, oh, we better put up a sign. These kids keep doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You ever seen them? So, you got a good one? I couldn't find a good one that was like PC enough to, to oh, like the Tide Pods, yeah. So now kids are eating these things and hurting themselves and they got to lock it up and having warnings and all that. Well, that, that, right, we all just go, oh, this generation, right? Someone did that, so now there needs to be a rule or a law. So these laws, guys, this old, we just went to the heart of the Old Testament and realized these laws weren't there because God's hard and harsh, because we are. You know that? It, oh, man, I don't know. This has changed things for me. So let me wrap this up. There's a lot of common sense here, guys. A lot of common sense. I want to give you a gift for this week because I challenged the image you have of God. I took you right to the heart of what could feed that image. We blew it up, but now I got to finish the job. And here's what I want to do. Do you want to know why? Well, no, actually, it's different. You want to know what the Father looks like? Let's look at the slide. You knew I was going to end up here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image. All these pagan people, ready for this? They would always set up images, looking for images. And let me, let me teach you something pretty deep, right? Yahweh, which is one of the names they had for the God we serve, right? Uh, Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai. Notice how he never had an image until, okay? You wanna know why? Because yes, he did. We were made in his image. That's why you're never supposed to assign an image because he already comes through us. And again, there was this long period of time where we were the, the image and then the real image of God comes. So no, don't make an image for God. It's on its way, people. Do you get me, Kirk? Back then, before Christ came, guys, guys, don't, don't, don't assign a false image. He's coming. He's coming. And now, of course, we know that'd be absolutely stupid to assign an image to Father God because... He came. The image of the invisible God is Jesus Christ. What does he look like? Him. And again, eyes and all that, that's, right? But when, that's all you need to know is Christ is the perfect image of God. I think that's so awesome. So let's pray together. Let's, we don't do this often. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this week, Lord God, even right now, help us to set aside the images that we've taken from previous systems, Father God, non-biblical systems, from people, from religion, we just want to set that aside, Father God. We're here because we actually want to know you. Like, as you really are. Not as, 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 as anybody on either side of the aisle says, all grace or all truth, Father God. We want to know you for the way you really are. So help us, Father, to open our hands and to let go of the, the images that, that are holding us down from knowing who you are. 
We know that you're not this gruff, angry taskmaster master looking to beat us up when we fail. We see you, Lord Jesus, who come to failures like me and say, do you want something better? So help us to set that aside, Father God, to cast it to you. We want to see you and know you for who you truly are in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and definitely in our lives and hearts. We give that to you, Father God. We ask that you would speak to us today. And, of course, we confess that we held on to those things. We want to let that go. We want to know who you truly are, Father. We love you and worship you, and, and, and we know that you are fully represented in Jesus. And we thank you for that. Amen. Everybody online, thank you, and have a great week. Uh, for you in the house, let's sing Good, Good Father. It's who he is.